Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Autocar podcast, My Week in Cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and Stephen Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Seldom better, mate. Thank you very much. Seldom Even better. Even though surrounded by a strange pile of cushions, <laughs> because we couldn't find a decent studio. Couldn't find the pod studio, which is in use by, I don't know, somebody else, somebody, some other blackguard has just nicked the studio this afternoon. So we have tried to quieten down the echo in quite an echoey room, but... Twickenham High Street is outside, so who knows? Maybe we'll get the sirens going past, but I think we'll be all right, mate. I th- I'm sure it'll be fine. Great. But anyway, um, hopefully you'll get too distracted by the fact we're talking about our respective columns from this week's magazine, which means we're talking car factories, uh, windscreen washers, compact cars, and much more besides, actually the second half of this, Steve, are two columns slightly coincide, actually, and I think yeah. is quite... Is really interesting actually. We'll spend more time in the second half than the first. But we'll also have some of your correspondence. And let's start with David Cook. Do you remember a few weeks ago we were talking the MOT I do. And, its, and its potential delay by a year to four years? David Cook writes to say he has been in the Bahamas not as a tourist, but he had to rub along with some of the locals and do a lot of driving while he was out there. And for me, the most notable thing, he says, was the standard to which we in Europe hold our vehicles is entirely different to much of the rest of the world. If there is any periodic safety inspection in the Bahamas, it is not really adhered to, he says. What this means in practice is that I looked, as I looked around me, there were all manner of abominations on the road with severe accident damage, poorly judged modifications, deterioration structurally and in all mechanical components. And all of that was clear from a distance. And then getting in and out of driving vehicles revealed even more issues, considered normal over there. And at the time, it was just an observation. But now he comes back and reads about the potential delay in the MOT for another year. He's reminded of the maintenance bills that we all have to insure. Maybe I should feel grateful and not shortchanged, he says. Um, I get that their mileage is speed limits and way of life is different to ours, but it's a clear illustration that if you remove barriers, safety standards will sink. And I fear that relaxation in our rules will introduce some level of complacency for safety that we currently take for granted. Well, I think he's right, because we do have, don't we, very low accident statistics in compared with the rest of the world. So the, the good state of our cars must make a hell of a difference to that, surely. Yeah. Yeah, and although we're talking not old cars with this relaxation of the MOT, aren't we? We're talking three 
to four years, so they're still new-ish. But it's those wear and tear items. Yeah, the accident the, damage. And, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's just got to be... And it, it's, as he says, to propose, as David says, to propose any reduction in something so critical is irresponsible. And dare I say, much like the vehicle taxation and fuel prices we currently endure, uh, possibly counterproductive and targeting the wrong sort of people. Because yeah. actually an MOT after three years is not a particularly onerous thing for somebody who's got well, a three no, car, is it? There's other ways to save, well, the other things they could do to save us money, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your note, David. Uh, let's talk. Your column, Steve, opens up with a visit to a car factory. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I've never been to, to uh, Toyota's factory in Berniston. Mm-hmm. We've been to most of the bigger ones in the UK, but uh, oh, it was such a good place. It was, um, you know, modern, a lot of pride there. Mm. Pretty extremely efficient, as you would expect. Um, and... You know, a thoroughly good car coming out of the end. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a, a sort of, um, a sort of car that people stand on a street corner and boast about. But it's an extremely good, you know, useful, economical, nicely made machine, a Corolla. Yeah. Tell me about the dojos. Oh, yeah. Well, we went around the factory, and I found, you know, usual desire to own one stupidly. <laughs> and then um, we had a go in the car, which was mm. very nice. Nothing sporty about it, but good car. Yeah. And then on the way out, they introduced us to these trainers who get hold of people before they work on the production line and put them through dexterity tests and uh, dexterity training. And it turns out you've got to be quite an operator to do the things that were necessary you know, we were required to get hold of a couple of golf balls and move them around from one side to the other of, of one hand. It's a hell of a hard thing to do. Mm. But the the crippling thing for me was these guys teach people to pick up five bolts, not four, not six, <laughs> five. Yeah. You know, in, in just with one grab into a great big bucket. Oh, And okay. then present them, you know, maneuver them in their hands so that one of them at a time comes to the to the thumb and forefinger and is presented at an angle that that suits a gun that's in the other hand that, yeah. that puts it in the car. And you've there's not a lot of time to do it and it's just got to be done with this sort of surgeon's fingers. I couldn't get over it. And and uh, we all had a go at it. Mm. And you can, you can gradually see how you can get better. Mm. But I think it can take a couple of weeks for people to get a grip on it, if they're ever going to, and some some don't. They're they're the ones that do the garden or sweep the floor, I suppose. I suppose so. I suppose so. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we think so much in a modern car factory is automated, that relying on, well, not relying on, but, you know, making, making use of people's skills and their, you know, their motor skills is, I don't know, it's just, it's... It's not the way I often think about car factories. No, and yet it's not. A, it is a highly mechanised place. This. It's just that the the detail stuff yeah. and the and the sort of non heavy lifting stuff is um, is handled by um, uh, people. Yeah, and and you know make it makes you feel good about the car in a way. <laughs> <laughs> what um, news, if any, on the future of Toyota manufacturing in the UK? Do we think? Uh, it well, they're proud of it, and they mm. are. They see Corolla um, volume being maintained for the time being. Eighty-five percent of the cars go to export markets, and the demand is there. I mean, we know, don't we? There's a, some stats out just in the last couple of days that show that the 
the uh, small SUV market is um, definitely um, taking over from mm. from from uh, small saloons, but it's not it's not a massive sort of marginal difference. So yeah. I reckon they're well. The day will come when the Corolla won't be the car for the job, but it is a hell of a factory. You wouldn't see anybody just closing it. No, no. I'm always struck by how competitive factories have to be against each other from the same car maker. Yeah. They just go, oh, we want to make this car, so therefore we've got to do these. Yeah. I asked somebody going around whether there was stuff that was discovered in the process in the UK that gets farmed out to other Toyota outposts, and they said there were, you know, there were... Everybody, it's such a complex process that people have ideas that go around their houses. Yeah. Um, I looked around a Citroen C4X, EC4X factory the other week, which is in, uh, which is in Spain. Yeah. And that's got, that's a, that is clearly a, a sort of legacy factory. It's been there for a long time because it's, it's basically nearly in a city centre. And there is, it's quite a sort of dim play, much, much darker than most factories I've been in. It just, you just go, crikey, this has been here a while. Yeah. And, um, but they were saying, I forget the exact number, but there's something like 1,000 or 1,200 trolleys that run around on the floor taking bits from somewhere to another, but would have once been somebody driving a forklift, but are now this automated thing that runs around. And if you get too close to it, it'll run into you. Yeah. That's the thing. And then it'll stop. And you go, oh, yeah, I better get out of your... It won't do any damage because it's not yeah. going fast enough and it has sensors on it and stuff like that. But it will just, yeah, if you if you stand in the wrong spot, it'll, it'll run into you. But what struck me is how the guy who was showing us around was saying, yeah, we... And if you, if you work there, I don't know how this makes you feel. He was saying, every year we look to see what jobs we can automate. Yeah, same was yeah. going on at at, um, at Toyota. In fact, there were, mm. there were yeah people uh, people say well you know see that over there we were able to reduce the number of folks who work in there mm. by such and such and but they don't seem to lose them they don't sort of line them up and kick them out do they, they <laughs> no, just, no no uh, no they seem to find them a job somewhere else and the, and the and the thing that was heartening was that there there, there is a quite a thriving training aspect to Toyota at least so mm. people must come in yeah yeah yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, part two of the column. 5,000 miles from one bottle of water. I'm impressed by this. Well, <laughs> and intrigued and all kinds of, you know, all kinds of different. It's something, it's, as you, well, you, you tell me. Well, I, I was just saying 5,000 5, miles since I've filled up the Astro washer bottle. And, mm. and uh, I only noted, it, it only struck me as being a long time when, when it suddenly ran out, I was just thinking that it was, you know, sort of directly piped from a reservoir or something. Yeah. But the thing is, it's got, it's got wipers that have got those feeders that run up the wiper blades, and so when you press the button, it only lobs water on the, on the screen rather than these uh, sprays in, you know, mounted in the bonnet that send three parts of it over the roof and yeah, hit yeah, the yeah. car behind, mm. and um, and cause him to put his wipers on. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of your most successful columns ever in terms it of was, reader it was feedback, wasn't years it? Years ago, many years ago. I remember it was troublemakers. We were, I was driving along the. My kids weren't very old at the time. We were driving along the M4 with the wipers on 
seeing how many cars behind us we could cause to put their wipers on because our the contents of our wash hit their screen and they had to wash their screen which went over the roof to the one behind and i think we got up to about four that's pretty good going isn't it that's pretty good going. they were they were very taken with that and we got a lot of correspondence off it as well yeah people saying that was me <laughs> that is a pain uh, on a motorcycle when somebody in front of you does that isn't it and you suddenly get hit in the face with a bunch of slightly iffy smelling slightly yeah. murky dusty dirty water yeah so the eye and the your point being that it's because you have a mini as well in yeah. which you've had to replenish the water bottle many times yeah usually in, in the time. dark usually frost you know she she gets home the water bottles empty is but it seems to be my job to do the tire pressures and the water bottle <laughs> yeah and uh i seem to fill that up rather more often than the astra i wonder it's something as you say it's something we don't write about very much in road tests one because we don't do 5,000 mile tests very frequently yeah that's particularly in the road test um but it, you know, there are more important things to talk about but actually as an ownership thing it's quite and i do wonder how much cost difference there is between the two systems yeah it's, and it must take some more engineering i imagine yeah you would think how much how much difference the screen angle and aerodynamics of the car makes uh, a point and how big the washer bottle yeah. can be, I suppose. I mean, yeah. spaces at a premium in the front of most. Yeah, some of those cars. shapes, when you pull a washer bottle yeah. out, or if you ever do, it's extraordinary the shape of the thing because it's been sort of um, squeezed into a very uh, odd space usually, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's why they cost a million pounds to replace them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you get a crack in one. Oh, yes, we can replace that, sir. <laughs> and it's 400 quid. Yeah, yeah thanks very much. Uh, yeah, but I just... Yeah, an interesting little subject that I think. Yeah, I think I think there are things like this. You know, the way the the way the seat um, adjustment lever works and things mm. like that, and the, and what the what the grip on the handbrake, if you've got a central handbrake, what the grip actually feels like. Yeah. Those sorts of those things. You mean you're never going to be writing about them because you haven't got the space, but it yeah. it, it does make a car still. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, a big difference. And the amount of, of effort in a handbrake. You know the. Dare I mention the duster? It's got a really good handbrake. <laughs> oh, the mighty Dacia duster. <laughs> a, a good handbrake as in not too much effort required yeah, just, and just, positioning. Just, and, yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Oh, no, and with the increase in electric handbrakes, soon to be a forgotten art, I yeah, reckon, yeah. don't you think? Well, they save space, don't they? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. And they love space. Yes, they do love space. Love space on the dashboard. Let's talk van wall. Oh, yeah. Go on. Mm, interesting story. That I've got a friend called Ian Sanderson who has owned for ten years the Van Wall Mark. He has been cheerfully, you know, just doing what he does, holding some shows. Caused a, a book to be extended and reprinted. Has built some some continuation cars and has much bigger plans for it. But in Germany, a bloke called Colin Collis has also launched a Van Wall. Mm, I heard um, about this without, according to my friend, without having the rights to do so and there's right. a big bun fight going on at the moment sanderson is completely secure in the fact that he owns the rights and he's got pieces of paper and legal decisions and all the rest of it yeah but the um, the, the 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 trouble goes on so you know we it's something to watch i suppose it's interesting that isn't it sanderson's got on the on the on the secure ground but mm. what seems odd is that i think Collis has the rights to the name Vandervel, you know, which was where Vanwell came oh, from. Oh, okay, yeah. 
the Vanderville family, mm. uh, based in Britain, do not like this, but they can't do anything about it. So right. there's a there's a fuss over over Vanwell, Vanderville, and 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 how it will proceed. Sanderson is within his rights, but Collis is doing it anyway. And Sanderson has been using that name on things. Yes, yeah. Not, I mean, not on a production car. Well, or a on, racing a, car, on a, but on on various re- replicas and reproductions. And I think there is a road car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Not made in many in great numbers, but mm. I think there is one. Yeah. So that is a pro- so that is a, pro- a a problem then, isn't it? In well, it, it it must be pretty scary, mustn't it? Because yeah. you think you own something, and then somebody comes along and and does it regardless. Does it regardless? Yeah. So the small uh, oh, it's the the people who own um, Berlin who rejuvenate SU Carburetors and and whatnot. Yeah. They have the rights to the. That J forty, the Austin J forty pedal car, is it? and yeah. I think they have recently acquired the Austin Mark from its owners, which is possibly Shanghai Automotive right. Industry Corp, who yep. picked it up when they picked up MG Rover. Yep. And I, my understanding was they write a letter saying we think this is a dormant mark, so therefore we're going to start yeah. using it. And SAIC go. Yes or no, or yeah. well, okay, we're not doing anything with it, and that's as simple as that. Yeah. But if somebody's using it, you have a problem. You can't just stop, yeah. can you? I mean, Ian Sanderson's point of view is that he's been using it, yeah, um, and that's the court's view as well. But mm. uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it proceeds. Yeah, won't it? Yeah, won't it? But and he doesn't mind somebody else making a car. It's just the it's the name. It's the use of that name. Yeah, that he's, he's perfectly happy for Colin Collis to have to be a race winner. Under his own name. Yeah. Tell me about this car anyway. I don't know a lot about it, except that it's a WEC car. You know, it's going to, going to run in a oh, World okay. Endurance Championship. Oh, okay. And there's another, and it's supported by a car whose name I've temporarily forgotten, but it's a production car which has which is, had the name Vanwell attached to it. Oh, okay. Or speculatively attached to it. Right. We, you know, he, the German guy rec- seems to think that it, it will... Prevail, but it doesn't. You can't buy one. Hmm. But there's a plan. Watch this space. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break. You may get some adverts. You may not, depending on who you're listening with. And Steve and I will be back in just a moment. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello and welcome back to My Week in Cars. Um, Steve, I'll come back with another letter. And a question. This is Graham Sinclair from Aberdeenshire who says... Over the past 20 years, our family cars have typically been nondescript 45 miles a gallon diesels. However, I do consider myself a petrol head at heart. He does own a Caterham 7 and an Austin 7 Special, so I think that counts. Right thinking, man. But given increasing difference between petrol and diesel prices at the pump, my eldest becoming more independent and the inevitable electric revolution, I am considering a Volkswagen Golf GTI. Mark 7.5. I love this... Volkswagen Golf, the way it, the way the marks divide yeah. into pre facelift, post lift, facelift, point 
point five and whatever. Yeah. It's a it's one of those arcane car things that you s- explain in it to you know the other half. I'm thinking about getting a Golf Mark six point five, and they look at you and go, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Anyway. Graham says, question is, should I go manual or DSG, which is doppel, oh no, hang on, no, DSG is, uh, oh, blimey, is it? It's double clutch gearbox, yeah, isn't double it, clutch effectively? Gearbox, yeah. Is DSG a, because I always think of PDK, which is the Porsche, yes. definition, which is doppel kaplunga striebo <laughs> or something, but yeah. I, I don't. No, I've never known the translation, I what DSG stands for now, for, no. for the life of me, but anyway. I would instinctively go manual, says Graham, but my mate insists DSG really suits the GTI. Love to hear your opinions. Oh, God. It's a, such a tough one, isn't it? Oh, dear. He is from Aberdeenshire, so the roads up there might suit. If yeah. they're open and wide enough, might suit the manual. Yeah. I must say, I always think that if if you've got a few cars in the family, mm-hmm. it um, you maybe the thing to do is to go for what you haven't got you know if you've got something oh, yeah. with a really nice gearbox already yeah a real manual gearbox already yeah maybe the thing to do is to experience a twin clutch it, yeah. yeah i mean it is a lovely gearbox we know and it suits mm. the car doesn't it it does suit the car yeah it does suit the car um, but we get the manual is pretty good as well isn't it that manual yeah. it's quite snickety and light and yeah. accurate but i mean if you have a caterham and an austin 7 special maybe you don't need another three pedal Oh, it's well, it's just a bit of variety, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing. I think, or I think, my my reckoning would be Graham. If it would be depending on how you use it, I think. I think. Yeah, if there's any, if the, I don't know what life's like in Aberdeenshire, but if the, if there's any traffic crawling and that sort of stuff, yeah. then if it's the daily commute, yeah. then I think it's a thing, and it is good fun on the open road, isn't it? As well, the you know, banging up and down on the paddles on the way into a corner is quite satisfying. Oh, and listening so, to the engine sort of go wrong, yeah, yeah that's yeah. brilliant. We, I must say, we, you know, our cars at home are, are chosen, because, you know, with with the idea of variety in, in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, the short of it, Graham, is that uh, I don't think you'll make a bad decision. I yeah. reckon if you go what you think, you'll be all right. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I, I agree with that one. Yeah. Right, if you would like to write to us, you can do. Uh, it is autocar at haymarket.com, and then you'll get an automated response. But if it's about the podcast, we'll get back to you. So uh, it goes into this enormous inbox. that I've just been given Inherited, access. Inherited, have you? Well, I've been given access to it, whereas oh. previously I've just been forwarded emails on, but I've just been allowed access to see it. Oh. Like there's 33,000 unread emails in this and you have to trawl through all of the press releases all of the spam all of the stuff to try and find ones that reference the podcast so I have asked the IT department if they'll set us up a pod specific yeah. email address maybe the thing in the meantime if people want to write to the pod the thing to do is to stick it on the headline stick it on stick the it on the, head, on the yeah. subject line that would be so, helpful yeah. yeah that would be useful Yeah, or you can find Steve and I on uh, most of the social Channels, how often do you check your TikTok, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Not yesterday. No, nor me. Nor me. But um, yes, you can find us there too. uh, Or you can, yes, autocarathaymarket.com will get to us. Or in fact, our personal email addresses are in our columns. Indeed they are. Which is only available in the magazine on print or digital subscription. But pretty damn easy to guess. But pretty damn easy. Yes, exactly. Pretty easy to find. Right, let's talk where your column and mine, I think, slightly coincide this yeah. week. Um, 
are we gifting Chinese SUV makers the future? I think think Chinese car makers, you know, not yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of concern, isn't there? Tavares is 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 one of the the leading lights in this. He believes that uh, by um, making by opening up the, the our markets to what is described as rampant um, uh, Chinese exports. Mm-hmm. Um, while our own manufacturers chase the high margins of big SUVs in small numbers, mm. um, the Chinese are establishing a foothold. They will, once they have the foothold and the expertise, mind you, and the understanding of our markets, they'll then be in the other uh, sectors and we will have a declining car industry, which hits all industrialization, as we know. The, you know, um, It was always said that one in 10 of People working in, you know, Western countries had some connection with the car industry. And, that, mm. you know, if you take some of that away, it looks pretty serious, doesn't it? Yeah, that's Carlos Tavares Stellantis. Stellantis boss, yes. Boss. Yeah, yeah. Much more outspoken than the rest. Mm. Also keener to take on the politicians. Mm. Although I think somebody asked him if he'd like to be a politician and he politely declined it. <laughs> <laughs> well, who would be? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to digress too much. But who would be a politician today? Oh God, hard. To... I mean, you get paid vastly more if you stay in industry. Yeah. You don't get called all of the things that you get yeah. called every day. It's Some people like your prominence, I presume, don't well, they? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I mean, look at Boris. Can't put it away. God, no, 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 no. But I, I don't. I just, I don't know what the the answer is. But it's it strikes me that you know to. The reasons to do it, the the fact that you would go into it because you try and make a difference, yeah. and do you want to spread, you know, spread goodwill and make the world improved? I I don't know if that's harder than it is. Yeah, being and the stuff that comes with it. I must say, the politicians I've met, the rank and file politicians I've met, have been trying to do a good job, hmm. but there's just, you know, we only you and I we think we know a bit about cars, and and as soon as you get into a conversation with them, you just find they don't, hmm. and the and that. Is scary when you consider that they're those are the quality that the you know the the level of people who are making decisions about the likes of Euro Seven and yeah. when EVs should be mandated and so on. It's it's the lack of knowledge that I find scary. Yeah, and this is sort of where my column comes into it yeah. this week. I am. It struck me as I walked out of a shop the other day and a Porsche Cayenne Hybrid whizzed past on EV mode in the car park passed and I sort of looked at it and as you know my head when does it pass it was in that kind of gray color with a little bright green graphics on the hybrid system and I thought oh, that is a nice car but as it passed it revealed parked behind it a Fiat Seicento and um, and I just thought to myself Porsche could make as many Cayenne hybrids and sell as many as it possibly can and I think the CO2 emissions are so 70 to 85 grams per kilometre or something off of off of one of those, ostensibly, because mm-hmm. it's a plug-in hybrid and a Seicento, you couldn't no manufacturer could make that car no. anymore. You can't make that car and sell it. And as we speak this week, Kia has just said they're not going to sell a Rio in Europe anymore. As we have previously touched on on the pod, you can't buy a Citroen C1 Peugeot uh, 107 uh, Toyota Igo. That's it, yeah. The up has 
had the Volkswagen up has had its order book closed because they've got enough back orders and I don't know whether that car's going to be replaced or not. No, they're certainly not threatening to. No, and all because of the amount of emissions and safety kit that has to go on these cars. It pushes their prices so far up yeah. that they're basically the same price as something bigger, probably yeah. a crossover. And the customer goes, well, a crossover's got a slightly better residual value, so I'll take a 4.3, 4.4 metre long crossover that weighs... The dogs fit in the back, isn't that? The dogs fit in the back that yeah. weighs 13 to 1,400 kilos yeah. rather than a super mini at 1,100 or 900 or yeah. whatever. And I worry... 10 years down the line where that le- where that lends us and I think there's a disconnect between what the legislation means for new cars and what that means for the lives of buyers a decade away used car buyers a decade away well your point in uh, in your column there's a bit about how somebody who's in in one of these cars when it's well through its life is going to discover that it's a it costs a thousand pounds to buy a headlight mm. one of those extremely complicated headlight assemblies if brackets if it's available yeah because it might not be yeah and it's that disconnect between the people who set legislation now and where we how we use cars over time where that where that goes and i'm i I worry about that is the is the short of it i worry about what that means for the the car uh, for the for the for people who use cars as a necessity yeah um and i've spoken about and this this country is 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 got you know but there's it's it's quite densely populated but but it's the population centers are scattered aren't they so mm. you know you you're just not going to be able to get the bus you're not no but the, the there are two things that always come to mind when we start to to worry about this one is the the excellence of suzuki who can still build <laughs> cheap little cars yeah light mm. you know they still make cars that are under a thousand kilograms and the and the the, the glory of the Hyundai i10, which I which I am starting to regard as a kind of icon, really, yeah. because they're bought in reasonable numbers in the UK and pretty good numbers, and and uh, you know, long live the i10, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, I think so. And the, and the what's it, the Picanto, the other one? Yeah, the Picanto remains on sale. Uh, it is now thir- at least thirteen thousand four hundred pounds, which is a lot for us. As well, as must what be we the think idea. is a lot for a city car. Yeah, yeah. sure, of course. It is. Um, and at some point, I think some uh, manufacturers. So Vincent Kobe from Citroen was saying the other day. He said he believes that at some point, legislators will go. Actually, we need to start taxing cars on weight as well as efficiency. Because at the moment, we worry about CO two. So yeah. if you have a lot of electrification and a lot of complexity. That's it. You end up with a car that's cheap to tax and cheap to run, particularly as a company car. Mm. But he says, well, at some point, do does legislation catch up and go, well, maybe a bunch of 2.7 ton SUVs isn't quite as good for the planet as we've kidded ourselves it is. And so you start saying, okay, then there's going to be a, a tax that comes in at whatever it might be. He thinks 1.8 tons would 1. be... 1.8, I mean, that's get, a lot, isn't it? That's still a lot, isn't it? But you can get up there quite easily with an EV, mm-hmm. you, you know, with a, as yeah. other, and that's why he says Citroen will make 50 kilowatt hour battery sized cars that may have 150 horsepower. And uh, to basically paraphrase him slightly, look, the days of you doing 400 kilometers in a day, they're gone, mate. Yeah. Sorry, 
but that's we don't do that anymore. You can't do that in a car anymore. Your car has that range, and if it takes a while to fill, then that's say la vie, that's it. They, yes, exactly. So stop and have a yeah, stop and have a picnic. That's the that's the short of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one point eight doesn't give you a lot of headroom with an EV, does it? It's still a small car. Does not. No, it does not. Well, the Astro weighs one point six, mm. and that's a fair. Thing. And that's a plug-in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I anyway, I await to see. But if you start to get taxed on weight at whatever it might be, but you've already made the legislation that means all the cars are heavier. Yeah. Where do you? I don't know. I just I tell you what, though, doesn't it make you feel good about being a typewriter thrasher? Because at least, <laughs> at least, you've just got to wait for somebody to 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 do stuff, and then you report it. Exactly. I think I think the people who are trying to think four years, six years ahead, they've got a tough job. At that they've point. got a really tough job. And even if you are just, just, in inverted commas, an importer of cars rather than a maker, you've still got decisions to make. Because yeah. I think as Honda, Honda is, I think it varies depending on the kinds of cars you sell. Um, and how many you sell, and whether you sell commercial vehicles as well. But at some point, coming in the next year or two, manufacturers have to sell a certain percentage of zero emissions vehicles. Honda's, they think, is 22% next year, but they're still not now entirely sure what that percentage is going to be. They haven't handed down the decision, have they? And how how do you make yourself a business case at that? How do you, yeah, because they, they order cars six months ahead, don't yeah, they? Yeah. So how do you say to Honda HQ in Japan, we'd like so many Jazzes and so many E's and so many That's a tough HRVs. One. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how it works, mate. Yeah. Well, well, we'll report it anyway. We will report it right here. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on to Bloodhound. Oh. What's, the, what's, going, what's going on? Well, a concerned gentleman wrote to me saying, uh, you used to rattle on about Bloodhound a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, I've forgotten, younger, I can't remember if it was his son or his grandson or somebody, but, but w- one of his kids paid you know, hard, hard-earned money yeah. to, to make a donation the, in exchange for which you got your name on the fin of the, of, of the vehicle. Oh, of course. And Bloodhound of course, being the proposed... The land speed record car. Proposed yeah. thousand miles an hour ideally that was it yeah they were i think they've slightly rode back from that they mm. just want to break the 760 whatever it is yeah existing sound um record the car is currently in the coventry is currently in coventry transport museum yeah but the, but an organization exists to run it and they okay. still feel they have the opportunity they can do it they they reckon they can do it emissions free they're in the moment of, oh, of course um, yes in the process of of uh, doing that, we talked about this on an earlier podcast. We did, we? yeah, because the rocket is is actually hydrogen peroxide, which only gives out steam and water, for mm. instance. And they can run the jet, which gets it up to, you know, a respectable speed, you know, five hundred miles an hour. Yeah, um, can be can run on on uh, uh, carbon neutral fuel. Oh, cool! And now that is a Eurofighter Typhoon. It is prototype yeah. jet, isn't it? And yeah. I think Andy Green explained to me at some point a couple of years ago when I interviewed him. He said, you've got to remember, that's quite an old, it's like 1990s, I think it was made. Mm. And it's still owned by British Aerospace, Yeah, I think. And at some yeah. point they might want it back. But anyway. Well, I think done. they seem to have extended their permissions. Mm, good. Um, but the, <clears throat> the, the project is live. It's having some headwinds. Yeah. 
But anyway, the the, the story goes that the, that my the correspondent's concern was that this then they would just get out the old house paint and paint over all the names <laughs> on there. Yeah, because it was a new company and so on. Mm. But the good news is that uh, all of these names, mine included, yours included, are still on the fin and will stay there. So when it goes to South Africa, if it ever does to do. 800 miles an hour, we will be there with it. Good. What What chance would we give it? Mm, I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a tough ask now. Mm. The, the, I think part of the problem is with school kids. They've always, sent, they've always set great store by being in touch with the, by, by incentivizing young people to want to design, you know, to get interested in physics, maths, engineering and so on. The trouble is more and more school kids look at, a, you know, a vehicle with all this stuff coming out of the back, whatever it is, and think, hang on a minute, you know, isn't this pollution? Yeah. And it, it is possible to explain to them that it isn't toxic pollution, but you need a few sentences to do it and people dismiss you before you get there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's a battle. Yeah. It was once explained to me that the, the entire Bloodhound project was... Used was produced about as much as emissions as a seven four seven taking off at Heathrow and getting to to Slough, which was kind wow. of 15, what fifteen miles away. Yeah. So the takeoff by was, which yes by which standards the impact and the potential much. educational impact of the physics thing. It's done a fair bit already, I believe. Yeah. But but yeah, the times are getting hard for it. I think. Yeah. So it may continue to be an extremely nice exhibit in Coventry mm. well, with, the other, with the other with the other speed record you know Richard Noble's one and Andy Green's other one yeah SSC and Thrust 2 it's a good museum isn't it Coventry Transport Museum yeah good place yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't been for a, a long time but it was I like it very much yeah right that almost brings us to the end of this week's pod I think we're um, we'll be back this time next week thanks for listening you can find us at autocart.co.uk but Steve's column and mine and many of the features um, are in the magazine alone either digitally or in print we're on all the socials and on YouTube where the latest video Steve goes as has, has gone live by the time this pod goes out so but you won't have seen it yet which is two off-road buggies a Polaris oh the one you did the other and night. a Segway yeah, which no, is well, cool. We should, to... we t- should we spend? Well, I don't know. We could spend. We could talk about it now or the start of next week. What do you reckon? Oh, I think yeah, let's go for it next week. Let's I want to hear all about week. it. They're good fun. They're great fun. It was a also, cold I will have watched day. a vid by then. Yeah, it was a cold day, but a really good day. But anyway, that's over on. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, you. In fact, we exchanged brief messages, and I asked you if you were chilly. <laughs> oh yes, and you yeah. Said, <laughs> I think you just sent back three words, which said, "I've been warmer." <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So uh, join us next week as we talk about that and many other things on the My Week in Cars podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.